Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. I'm Dave Marr. I'm a comedian in Chicago. I survived a month-long coma eight and a half years ago, and I woke up with questions. Questions I ask of guests like Lucas O'Neill, a comedian currently residing in New York City who travels the world with his comedy, with his particular brand of comedy. Everyone has a particular brand, right? Lucas is a guy I started with in Chicago doing open mics, and he is in the process of bringing his first solo show to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I saw that he was planning to do that, and he's actually bringing it to the venue I last did a show at in Edinburgh. He's going to be at Just the Tonic at the Caves, at 5.20 p.m. every night. I don't know if he has off days, but but most nights uh, or late afternoons of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year, 2023. As a, Think of it as a follow-up to Feed Wolf Ice Cream, my show in 2019. It's very much the sequel to that, but by a different person with different subject matter and, you know, mostly unrelated. But Lucas is a great friend, a dude I was really, really excited to catch up with, and you can tell that by the hour of extra conversation that is on the Patreon at patreon.com slash Dave Marr. Everyone who joins the Patreon gets access to all bonus audio. It's a more intimate experience, these full conversations, and I'm really excited for you to hear that. So if you'd like to hear that, I really recommend joining at the $5 level, you're an afterhead. At the $15 level, you're a pigeon patron. Those people get a shout out in every episode. They are Fred Fidoa, Susie Carroll, Katie Llewellyn, Shuba Singh, John Lee, Debo, and Barry Fontenot. Thank you to them. Any other way you can support the show, if you really like it, you know, some sometimes you're just really a fan of a thing, and that thing is really your fucking thing. And you're like, I, re- I remember being a kid and hearing about street teams, like a teenager getting into like punk music. And I was like, oh, man, I would love to be on a street team. I wish now, not I wish now I, that I knew this, but I, I didn't know at the time that I'm sure like bands would have loved to have me just like putting flyers up in the city that I was, uh, I did not realize how much of a, I, I think at its best, it is a reciprocal relationship, not just a scam. But the point being that being on the street team is very beneficial, beneficial to the band as well. So in this instance, I'm the band. If you'd like to be on the street team, post about the show, tell a friend, subscribe if you have just been downloading random episodes, review the show. All that stuff is great. Um, also, Lucas's show, Emotional Man, Lucas O'Neill, Emotional Man. He is doing a preview at Littlefield in Brooklyn on Monday, July 24th. Tickets to that, ways to follow him are all on his Instagram, his TikTok, his website, which are all in the show notes. So go see him. He's he's super funny. He's just a fucking fantastic comedian, and we had a great chat, and I'm excited for you to hear it. So here it is. I grab your whip and take it back to When I'm in Chi-Town, I treat it like Paint your hell. Okay, uh my custom hell is I think you're gonna know it. Uh it's just it's just like going to a show where you know and all of your friends and family are there, and uh no one sees you or talks to you or acknowledges you and you're supposed to be on the lineup and then you're not on the lineup and you just have to like walk around that show. So that's one, that's one. This is, a, this is such a, um, it, 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 it's clearly not a thing that's like ever happened to you before. Um, I don't know. Have you ever moved from Chicago to New York? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That's happened. No, it's <laughs> happened to me. But those aren't people that you like knew. Right? Sometimes, well, yeah, sure, of course. That's why well, it's. I'm, and I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying it's. It, it, it's. I'm saying it's like a thing that seems to come from. There's an imaginative element to it where you're yeah. like, wh- wh- I'm wondering. Hell's what not the- real. So yeah, I'm imagining. Okay, well, <laughs> listeners, don't don't listen to him. Okay, we we all believe in hell here. That's of the course, unifying theme of the podcast of course of course but um i'm wondering what the real experience is Hmm. that that is the magnification of well so moving to new york from chicago what's the experience you show up at a show and what you show up thinking what you've done in the past will impact the present moment and you matter and you don't okay it feels like you don't, right? Mm-hmm, that's the, mm-hmm. that's obviously the difference. It's like you matter all the time. I'm sure listeners of this podcast know we believe that we matter all the time. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah, maybe more than hell. Okay. <laughs> but I think it's just I think it's just that deep fear that like uh of irrelevancy and that like you can you can lose your community. Mm, okay. And having to walk through a room in which you feel like you've normally belonged. And you don't anymore. And you have no reason. And you have no idea why. You're like, this is a comedy show. I've been to comedy shows. Yeah, I know I, what it's like to move through this space as a comedian. Yeah. But people see me as as an audience member. People don't even see. Yeah, I'm I'm an audience member, which in this metaphor is like not seen. It's just trash. It's just yeah. the worst. Well, fucking. just, yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> necessary but unnecessary, really. Right. Um, necessary, so wait, but but how would people even have the? How would people even know? Are you talking about being at open mics? I can't believe how like grounded this hell has to be. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. These are no. just the follow up questions. Yeah, dude. I now appreciate. I'm feeling it. like my interview style is getting roasted over. Oh here. my god! No, we no, just no. had an hour of beautiful <laughs> relationship to each other. Now we both turned it on, and we're just fucking. Going hard. <laughs> no, but I'm wondering no. what the um, like are are we talking about open mics? Like, is there a mo- or is there mm. a part of you that's just genuinely like irrationally believes that like everyone should just know me? Everyone should just they, I, I they should just know what I've done. Why why mm. is no one clapping me on the back? I think. No, it's it's not that. It's that the room is filled with people who I know or believe in my life do know what I've done and who I am and would mm. want to connect, but mm-hmm. they're not. Okay. And that's the part that's so disarming. And you can't explain it. No. Right. Okay, let me put you a second hell. Can I put you a second hell? Yeah, 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 please. I- I'm going to have some follow-up questions. Is that going to be okay? No, of course. <laughs> of course. And okay. I liked the other ones, too. Okay. <laughs> What we came up against is my uh, deep need to do things right. And so oh, I heard your question okay. and I was like, I did it wrong. And that's oh, why I was like. No, I just, I just like to, I like to get the full texture of it. Yeah. I like which, to like know, yeah, what the, what the specific, cause, cause 10 different people could say traffic is their hell mm-hmm. and they could all have different reasons for it. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. So second um, hell. Second hell. I think it's just Okay, this this is even less like I don't have a space for it, but it's just you have to like you're confronted with uh the mistakes. You have to like interact with people who you've wronged. Mm-hmm. And they explain that they don't forgive you. And you have to go, they just, and you have to like kind of relive what went wrong. And then they say to your face, and I don't forgive you. And they say, this is what you could do to make up for it. And then by, at the end of the day, you think that you'll get the chance to redeem it. There's a day cycle in this hell. And then you never, and you never get to do it. Then you have to start it again. Oh, wow. I like, I like the verb explain. Because it feels like they're not saying fuck you. It feels like they're just like, as you said, very calmly saying, and I don't forgive you. Yeah. It's like, that's a pretty brutal. 
and there's no real there's no way you could i guess i i give it that there's no way to be forgiven but it's just explaining that it's like it's actually unforgivable Mm, mm, like are they almost like lucas my hands are tied yeah a little bit yeah okay interesting so you have to i would have to like deal not only i have to relive the wrong but then i have to deal with that like trying to accept that there's nothing to be done so i mean this really is like and i think the the at the risk of too neatly tying all of these things together. Please tie it together. I think there is, it it sounds like this wanting to get it right thing Mm -hmm. is very key because the thing I see connection, one of the connections between these hells is that there is an inexplicability at some point, at some point you reach a wall where it's like, why is no one looking at me? Why is this happening? Mm -hmm. And the answer is no one knows. You will never know. Why can I or not they get know, forgiven? But I don't get to know. Mm, okay, sure. I will never know. Yeah. Right. Like, why can this person not forgive me? What are the rules? Why is that this place? Is it this person? Is it the rules of this overarching land or whatever? And yeah, and and so there is no way for you to get it right. No, Dave, I'm sweating right now. <laughs> <laughs> I am truly sweating. I'm going to move up my therapy appointment. It was supposed to be two weeks. I'm going to move it up oh to next week. Oh, my God. Why are you – were you like a – were you like – did you grow up thinking you were special in a specific way? Um. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. What was uh, – so for me, it was like got pretty good grades, got really good grades, mm-hmm. and so, slowly towards the end of high school starting to slip because I never had to try and I never did – Right, right, right. Um, combined with being able to be funny and some charisma, and then the general white middle class American thing of you can do anything. uh, Yeah, as long as you. What was the formula for you? Um, I think like I just had a pretty strong sense that I was responsible for. Um, for people's like joy in the family and like calm calmness. Really? Um, my mom had a, was quite anxious, and my sister really struggled with anxiety attacks for a lot of her childhood. And so I was like the kid that no one had to worry about. That was like I felt that. Mm. Um, and. You know, it obviously it manifested in many ways, not just like that I needed to do it right, but also like I had pretty legitimate OCD and like I had to get that treated. And um, and a lot of it was like trying to prevent bad things from happening, trying to make sure my family was okay. And so I was like, I was a high achiever and I also like was not to be worried about. So I always did things the right way and like whatever. Um, but it also like kind of kept me... Yeah, I mean, you know, there are negatives, obviously. And, like, that deep need to do things right and excel and achieve. Uh, Which is, it's, like, tough because that doesn't always get exposed early. mm -mm. So you can, like, carry that. Yeah, it's rewarded. And it works for you for Mm -hmm. a really long time Mm -hmm. to the Mm -hmm. point where it's then, like, fucking ground into your bones. That then when you try to extract it, you're just like, (gasps) like, yeah, what do you do? Yeah. I also, like, I was in environments where I actually couldn't even recognize that I was, like, kind of, like, an achieve, like, you know, an obsessed kind of achiever. Because mm-hmm. I was in these places where I was like, wow, these guys are really stressed out. They, like, are really type A, blah, 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 like, high school mm-hmm. and college. And I was like, I am way chiller than them. And uh, I kind of, like, just didn't read it. But I was focused on different stuff. But I was still kind of the same of the same mold. What like, stuff? Well, like in college or like, uh, you know, in high school, I like, I felt like people worried about academics in a way that I like didn't know I didn't. Um, but I just wasn't worrying because I was like doing well. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I had a learning style that worked within right. the school. Yeah. Right? Right, and right, right, so right. Yeah. like now I'm just like, oh, hey, w- way to go, bud. Like, great that you, like, didn't have to take notes. That's just, yeah. like, the way you 
<laughs> it was structure yeah. for you to do well and you did well. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and then in college, I just like, I kind of discovered comedy. And so like, that was what I was like really obsessive about. And so all the other stuff that everyone worried about, I didn't worry about as much, but like, I definitely like obsessed about comedy and wanted to do it right. And, okay. and you're a, ma- you're a Mainer. Thank right? you. Thank you for knowing that. Yeah. That that's the, the name of yeah. the people from Maine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I know you. You can really run afoul of people from Maine. People from Maine have some fucking deep. There's some hardcore shit there, dude. Yeah, there really is. I spent a, I spent a summer in Bar Harbor because there was an improv theater. Yeah. There. Oh yeah. Um, and improv Acadia. Yeah, improv Acadia. I had I had I had my two week contract one year at improv Acadia, and it was like they they like explained you know if you've if you, it doesn't matter how long you've lived here. If you didn't, if you weren't born here. Yeah. Um, and isn't that will pretty be. fucked? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Could definitely contend for whitest state in America. Yeah. Like, like, uh, uh ethos wise, almost more than anything else. You know? Well, I mean, and that's why I've kind of wondered aloud if we could change the motto of the state, which is the way life should be. Because it's just, it doesn't read right when you then look at the demographics. <laughs> it just, it's just, I know it's not what we mean. Right. But, you know, it's like, yeah, you should be like by the sea and with nature and calm. And it's like, yeah, that's great. But, but it definitely sounds like the way life should be, like that overlaps with your perfectionism <laughs> here as well, you know? Right. Well, yeah. And isn't perfectionism sort of a white, uh, supremacist ideal anyway what do you hope happens when you die all right here's what i hope the experience of dying is like okay i would like it to be at some point i want it to feel like when like i'm standing at the edge of the ocean and the sun sets and the stars come out. And then you just swim into the universe. Mm. And then you just become sort of a part of the energy of the universe. Like it's like there's this kind of transition period of saying goodbye to the earth. And you knowingly being accepted into the fabric of the universe. And ideally... I lose consciousness at that point. Like if I'm a part of the universe, I don't want to be conscious at all anymore. I don't, I've done it. I've done consciousness. I don't think it's that great for me. I think it'd be great (laughs) to have a different, or at least a different idea of consciousness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Right. Like an idea that would essentially be unrecognizable to you now as consciousness. Here's my best metaphor that I have right now is that like octopuses, like they have neurons like throughout their body. Like it's not mm-hmm. all just centered in their brain. Mm. And so that like where it's like the consciousness is different. It's like my consciousness is now like expansive. It's not centered only in my being sort of. You know. Yeah. That I, I mean, I this, the image you painted was already like a very calming image was genuinely giving me like uh comfort, you know, just to think about, but is do you think of yourself as a particularly embodied person? Like, do you have mm. a movement practice or, or, or is it you? I would guess that you think of yourself as though I think of myself as a very thinky person. Yeah. And, and feel plagued by that a little bit. Definitely. Um, but as that guess about you, is that incorrect? No, I, I'm a thinky person. Um, but I, I have been, but I, I do movement. I run and bike and like move through the world as sort of a movement practice, I would say. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's certainly combating how I can just stay in my head the whole time. Yeah. Um, but so I'm trying to move more into that as a person, more embodied. Um, but definitely the like desire to get away from my consciousness is like clearly a sign of like, 
can I, I'm yeah. there too much. <laughs> right, know? right, right. I'm up you're top like, too much. You're like running. That That's the thing. Because I was, do you. I'm trying to like about, melt my awareness into the rest of my body. Right. But tell me about running. Because it seems fucking miserable, dude. Yeah. And where swimming is not, like intense swimming. Yeah. For me is, I, I love it. But it. And it seems, based on the faces of people as they're doing both of these activities, Mm -hmm. it seems like that's kind of the way. But do you get, like, during running, do you enjoy it? Sometimes, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think, like, you just got to find what works for you, right? It's like, I don't think everybody should like running. Like, they're just, people just don't like running. It's like, fine. Um, But I think... Running from me, I like to be reminded of the power of my body. And I think running does that. So whatever, like, can do that for you, like, poses certainly can do that. Like, anything like that. I've been trying to get more into swimming just so I don't, like, run my knees into the ground. Right. Um, But there is something more spiritual in swimming uh, for me. It's, like, way more transcendent. Oh, for sure. I, my family has a little cabin in the woods in Maine on a lake. And when I'm up there, I, I've been trying to like swim every day. Just like, it's not that far, but you can, you don't have to go that far to be so tired from swimming. But it, when I, when I do it and I keep to it, it's like, it just, I feel grounded. Is the water ever warm when you're up there? It's not that big of a lake. So it's like pretty warm. Oh, okay. Okay. So it doesn't yeah. have to. Gotcha. Yeah. Because the because the coolness would seem very pleasant as part yeah, of that as well. Definitely. It's actually weird. It's like, it used to be kind of, obviously, right? The climate crisis. It's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so crazy. To, I don't know if anyone's talking about this, but the, it seems like it's been hotter. Um, the, the top layer of the lake feels surprisingly warm compared to the, mm. to like below, like yeah. a little bit below. Yeah. And the contrast in those two temperatures, I think, has actually, like, that's what I've noticed being mm. more. Yeah. And that feels weird to my body. It's like, that's not normal. But that's kind of the pleasure of lake swimming, is that, like, to, to feel that, like, down where your toes are, the yeah, coolness there. Oh, yeah. Lake swimming is just... Okay. I imagine... So, where, did you... Where you grew up mm-hmm. in Maine were you on the ocean or a bay you were on you were in a like well on a lake closer to a lake no 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 i was like so i grew up in south portland which is like on the water oh so you're like hood (laughs) (laughs) right exactly yeah i mean if you want to hey south portland are there (laughs) If there are any people really into the geography of Southern Maine, uh, yeah, we weren't Cape Elizabeth, okay? Yeah. That's the that's the Eagleton to our Pawnee. Is Cape okay, Elizabeth. okay. Um, yeah, so South Portland is a different city. It's just like across the bridge from Portland. Oh, okay. Work. Yeah, and so we were on the we were on the ocean, but like I didn't like see the ocean from my house. You know, it's like I was in a little neighborhood, but sure. Um, but do you have an elemental pull? Like I remember, I do. Yeah, big time to to the ocean. Yeah, big time. Okay. If you have to pick a body of water, ocean, lake, I don't know, maybe river. You get one that you can. Yeah, I would pick ocean. Ocean, just yeah. no, no question. Yeah, because, uh, like a cold, cold ocean. To yeah. be clear. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just love the ferocity of the ocean. I just. And the and how small I feel next to it, mm-hmm. um, it's like a little like existential like BDSM a little bit where I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm insignificant, yeah, I love it, thank you, totally. Because I was in my head and I was thinking I was really important and what I was thinking about was really important, but now I'm standing here and uh, all I hear are the waves and it quiets my mind, and that's not. So that's part of why you're not worried about I mean it sounds like in some ways you feel like plagued by consciousness. 
I don't mean to like overstate it, but it's like, but you like, you really don't sound like you're well. freaked out. Freaked. <laughs> yeah, you sound unwell. You you don't you don't sound like losing access to consciousness upsets you in any way. Hmm. I mean, it's maybe just too abstract for my wee little mind to like sure. grasp. So totally. maybe that's why it doesn't scare me. But I think like. Or maybe it's just like, hey, a lot of people I loved have sort of lost consciousness, probably. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. They haven't, like, come back to tell me they need help or whatever. So, sure. Um, yeah, I I guess I I just envision... I, I, I think I'm using consciousness as more like my anxiety and neuroses mm, is really, okay. I think. And so... Sure. So what I'm I'm imagining is some level of relief in that area. Right. And but the thing that experiences relief, right, is the What is that? Yeah, right. And so that's why I think I that's why I was trying to that's why I think reframing as like it's a different consciousness is maybe what is you know where I'm like, "Hey, I've dispersed my consciousness into the universe is more like something I can be at peace with. Um, And just trying to believe that like our energy, like goes back into the universe and then it comes back in a different form or something Mm -hmm. in a sciencey way. Yeah. In a sciencey way. You've mentioned memories. So Mm -hmm. let me ask you to, relive one memory in the way that if the afterlife one of the rules of it were that there's basically a room where you get to go in and out of whenever you want comprised of a single memory the rest of your memories aren't wiped it's just that one you get to live particularly vividly whenever you want but you have to choose one Hmm. what memory do you choose Okay, um, I'm not going to get caught up in trying to have a perfect answer. Please don't. Yeah. So here's what I, here's the memory that keeps coming back to me today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's like a rainy day and the memory is my mother and I like going to a bookstore together and it's rainy and we walk in and then we sort of separate and we go and we like look for our own little books and then we like reconnect and we share what we like got. And then we like walk out together, like kind of enthused with our new purchase and that shared like joy of a new book. Um, I'm probably nine. Okay. And so this is a specific day you're remembering, not necessarily a composite of like a it's, experience. I think it's that a, would I, it's like, I can remember a day, but I do feel like it's a composite of just like, this was something we did. This was a thing we did. Yeah. And there was just always so much joy. And my mother was like such a playful spirit and looking at books just always awakened this type of like joy and playfulness and uh, curiosity. And that's something like we both shared what do you mean by playful spirit? Like, what's an example of her? Um, I think she just loved, she just loved like make believe. She loved like silliness and she like, and f- there was a simplicity. She was just so quick to abandon that like self seriousness that sometimes comes up in adulthood. Mm-hmm. When the opportunity came to play, she would just throw it down and be present. And uh, it's just, it was always beautiful to see. It was obviously beautiful to be her son and get to like engage with that. But I just, children's books in particular at bookstores always kind of, you could see her like, see, right. like, be like, this is some light. This book has some like light that should be shared. And she like tapped into that really well. Would she do bits? Oh, yeah. She's very funny. Like voices and like... Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah. As a, I mean, as a read aloud, like, oh, she was tremendous. 
She was always do voices and oh, but only with reading books or in life as well. She would do them in life too. Um, she she ended up being like a community theater actor for the last like twenty or twenty five years of her life, wow. and she was actually pretty. She's pretty good. Um, That's great. Yeah, and I she, she would do voices, and she she would do this thing. Uh, truly, what she, what I thought she did was she like kind of she would work on bits. She always, she talked to like all of her siblings all the time on the phone. Like that was kind of like the day was like her talking to three of her siblings. And I would like hear her like say a bit to my aunt Molly and then like say a bit to like, you know, my grandmother and then say a bit to, I would watch her change it over the day. And then she'd like say it back to me later. And I'm like, that got better. (laughs) Like, she wouldn't know she was, like, doing it. Yeah. Like, I hadn't heard it. But she, like, there was always a workshopping of stories and stuff. And That's it always, so I always thought of it when I would be at Mike's, like, trying to hammer something out. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's what my mom does, just talking to her siblings. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. What, what sorts of, um, like, are there any memorable productions from her community theater days or roles that you can think of that you were, like, she really fucking knocked you know, Hamlet's mom out of the, well, what's a bummer is I actually missed what I heard was her most, her like most powerful performance, which was like driving Miss Daisy. She did like a, she did a version of driving Miss Daisy and she was excellent, I guess. Okay. Um, but my grandfather like, didn't like it because my mom had to like look old and he like Uh. really was disturbed by that. Um, Which, like, I get, you know, you're like, you're like, oh, no, I shouldn't have to see this. I should be gone before sure, I watch this sure, happen. Sure, 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 totally. Um, I can remember, I can, you know, I wish I remembered. She did some film work that was pretty good, too. Um, but, I, I mean, I remember from early stuff of, like, Guys and Dolls, like, when she was just, like, in the chorus and just, like, trying to, okay. like, map it. Because um, my mom was actually, a, she was a good dancer. Uh, she, like, took dance classes and all that stuff. And so I can remember like being like a hot box girl or whatever and guys and dolls and me being like, yay, mom. (laughs) (laughs) So when you're in the, what's the name of the bookstore? This is main community theater, by the way. Uh, It's, uh, it's called, I don't know what it was called before. I think it was just like mid coast books, but it's now, it's now been renamed or bought out by Sherman's books. Is that, that's a chain. Mm -hmm. Okay. In Maine. Yeah, Sure. So, um, dude, relax. Everyone knows you from Maine. We, we got, we got it. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I just, I'm shopping local in this memory. Okay. Mm, 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 mm. I'm supporting okay. the Maine love it, love system. It. But so in the bookstore is, so she goes, you guys split up, yeah. but go to where, what were your sections? What were her sections? Well, she would definitely go to the children's book section. Cause she kind of always wanted to like keep tabs on it. Okay. Um, and, and if you're nine, are you like, big timing the children's book section or are you okay yeah, where definitely. what are you doing i'm i'm in like kind of the fantasy like okay novel section okay um or yeah i mean like i loved like i loved roll doll i loved like more like silly weird but then also some fantasy stuff yeah i don't want to say harry potter on the podcast but obviously at nine i you know i did i did read harry potter yeah i mean these are a series of books that existed that people did read. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's a shame that JK Rowling is a transphobe, but you know, the yeah. world is the world as we yeah. experienced it, not as yeah. we wished it yeah, would be. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. I mean like chapter books for sure. And, mm. I th- like I read this book called like I think Dog Song. It was like about a constellation. I can remember doing that. Like I don't know. I mean, we don't have to just list books on the pod. But uh <laughs> do a summer reading list of uh Yeah, were you a big like summer reading list? I was a big kid? summer reader. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you yeah. a did they have the um the Scholastic Pizza Hut promotion? Book. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. I never yeah. won that though. I never like or like, was it a thing I, to win, or just I think a you sort had to of get like, a number of books? And I kind of was just like, but oh, it wasn't I'm competing gonna... against other people. It was just get a number to get your personal pan pizza. Yeah, but I was like, that sounds like too much administrative work. I mean, I'm just not going to put the stickers on 
Really? You're Dude, of that little you, little I, good student just, perfectionist boy. You don't want to like have yeah, your work like, translate to a pizza. Like I was like, seems... I'm not doing homework here. Come on, I okay. like root. I okay. I think I just didn't do it. So I'm trying to find a justification for it now. I don't know why I didn't do it, but I didn't. Listen, man. Some of us had to offset the cost of pizza for our families. <laughs> I guess we didn't all just have fucking pizza handed to us on yeah. silver platters, well, you know? Okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I did have pizza handed to me. Okay. So then when you guys come back from your sections, was there uh was it, oh, was, would you, would she ask you about yeah. what you had gotten yeah. or was it just waiting until after you no, checked out? No, it was out? the sharing. It was like, what did you find and what did you see? And okay. that like sharing was always like very exciting and fun. And was um, there a format to that sharing where you're like, oh, I'm torn between these and I have to make a decision? Sometimes. Or it was like, oh, I just saw this cover that was crazy. Ooh, I found this one. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, what? Yeah, sometimes it was challenging. Uh, like, I have a hard time making a decision. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I just knew that I could, I could, she would be curious about why. I liked something mm. and I always loved that she, that there was space for me to explain and she would like often be like delighted or surprised or interested in it. Oh, Parenting's so hard, really <laughs> but that's so good, man. I yeah. mean to like, was... and, and you know, I, I knew that your mom died and, and wasn't sure if we'd like get there. I really, but I really appreciate you like sharing this stuff it's it's really um every everyone's special but it sounds like there are really um really clear ways in which her specialness was like really manifest in the world and it's and it's really cool to get to hear about that and just to, to be genuinely curious to a child why they think something to give their opinion enough credence mm-hmm. to ask and listen to them explain is such a fucking gift to a kid. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It really is. It's well, I appreciate getting to talk about her, you know, in a celebratory way. I think there's, it's, it's, it's always nice to get to talk about people who are no longer with us in a way that like, is joyful and celebrating who they were when they were with us. Um, but also like, it's very cool too to see my sister, like do that with her kids. Like she really is very present and like really? gives them space. And yeah, it's, it's very, it's very cool. Do you, do you talk to her about that? Like, are you ever like, Oh, are you taking moves from mom's playbook with that? Like, are you like, are, are we doing this intentionally or is it just something you think, kind of happens that you notice i think she knows i i think she knows a lot of a a lot of what she's doing right she like saw from mom and then yeah but i don't i think she's just she knows i think she knows that she's taken from mom and then tweaking it too and Mm -hmm. like working on like obviously of course i think we should I think it would be great if we celebrated more of the positive things from mom that she's bringing, but we spend a lot of time I'm sh- more discussing like, oh, where our anxiety gets ranked up too much. And we're like, oh, right. We saw this. We understand why mom might've been like this. How can we be helping ourselves be more comfortable with our kids taking risks? My ne- our kids, her kids taking risks, whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's now I'm getting chills because you're, we're, we're workshopping like, generational uh habits and mm-hmm. you know doing the thing of of an open mic or your mom on the phone but from like generation to generation in terms of like how yeah. can we better serve yeah the the people were around that's fucking cool i've even found that with my dog i'll be like doing something i'll be like no, I'll just suddenly find myself feeling like my dad mm. <laughs> talking to the dog mm-hmm. and having to be like Okay, what am I doing? The dog's not doing anything to me. Yeah, dude. The dog is trying its best. Why am I embarrassed? 
Like, mm. that's, like, it's like, that's, oh, this is about my self-image. Wow. Like, embarrassed of the dog. Like Yeah. The, yeah, the dog's yeah, yeah. behavior. And being yeah. like, you're reflecting bad on me. <laughs> totally. And it's, and it's like, it's so humbling, of course, because then once the dog, like, kind of gets back to itself, they're just like, hey, <laughs> am I doing great or what's up? Right. And I'm like, yeah. You yeah, are. you are. You are. Yeah, yeah, of course. It is, it, it is. I don't know where you're at with this stuff, but being 38 and not mm. particularly flush with cash um, <laughs> and the kind of person who like is considering that when thinking about if I'll have kids, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. having to like really confront the possibility that I might not, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and like it's so shit on in some ways very rightly. Yeah. to compare pets to kids. Of right? course. Like of course. it's like it's like yes, of course. I and I I hate I never call my cat my fur baby, no, not no, my no, no, my no. son. I'm never like dad oh thinks this this this. In fact, I actually like call him my brother to like specifically like subvert that. And it feels funny to be like what if this guy's my brother. It's just like, it feels funny. fun, you know. I like that. Uh, thank you. And, but so, but it, but the thing that is true is the shit can really teach you lessons if yeah. you let it. Yeah. Like, as someone with maybe not, you know, can be over familiar or be a little <laughs> selfish, be like, the way I'm feeling in this situation needs to be the way everyone's feeling. Mm-hmm. Nothing like a cat to teach you that, like, <laughs> It's not like, cause you see people who are like, oh, I don't, my cat's a little bitey. And then you're like, well, you're rubbing his fucking belly. You just don't have the kind yeah, of cat that yeah. you get to rub its belly. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. but actually that cat gets to choose that it doesn't want to be a belly yeah. rub cat. It yeah. sucks. Maybe you wanted a belly rub cat, but, yeah. but are you going to learn that and like become legit kind of become a better person for yeah. respecting that or yeah. not? It's like, yeah. yeah, it's wild. What's also so, what, I, yeah, I think it's, yeah, obviously, very different than kids. Uh, yeah, of so course, different. of course. It's yeah. like I work really hard on this dog, and then honestly, for like two years, and then it's probably going to be good. Like it's like that's kind of well, you're always training, you're right. always reinforcing stuff, but at the same time, it's like y- you have to work on the kid so long. <laughs> but right, but um, the boundary stuff that animals have mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Because they don't apologize. Right. And, and and you just are like, oh, and I'm okay. Oh, the dog, I was petting the dog, and then it got up and walked to the other side of the room mm-hmm. and lied down. It's like, mm-hmm. great. I'm not petting the dog anymore. Because <laughs> yeah. the dog was really clear. Totally. <laughs> and there is so much. There is so much to learn. And also, like, even just being like, oh, okay. Sometimes the dog is just acting out because it needs structure or it needs a job. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, my brain is like this. Oh, yes. Okay. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's yeah. Amazing. It's it's not not at all to like, you know, uh, claim that it's, it's, it's so tough because my partner is particularly sensitive to any living being to the point where now I watch certain shows and if they're like, you know, breaking down or like, you know, Timlin, who's been on the oh, podcast, yeah. the oh, way yeah. he talks about his fucking butcher job. I'm like, <laughs> dude, I love you. And I know this is a thing in the world, but this is horrific to me. Like, this uh-huh. is like, uh-huh. and I eat meat. I'm not, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh-huh. I, I realize all the, you know, um, hypocrisy of it. But if parents are going to gatekeep, this emotional experience from us and say, you'll never be a complete person until you Mm. have a child. Can we at least, and they're probably right. I get that. I get that. There's a whole wing of the library. That's not open unless Uh you have a kid, but can we at least be in the other room and be like, well, I'm learning some stuff from the pet experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do think there's such a pervasive, like you got to have a kid or you're incomplete. And I hope yeah. it's changing because it's like, if it's another room in the library, you can't get to, but yeah, maybe, but you also, you're spending more time 
in the room, in the other rooms. Right. And you wouldn't right. be able to spend the right. time there. And so there are other things that come from it. And it's just, it's harder for people to accept. And, and I'm sure if you have kids, you want your kids to have kids. Why wouldn't you? Why sure. wouldn't you? Sure. What a fun, how cool to see two people make another person, right? You know, right. like right. yellow and blue make green. That's amazing. I love seeing that. <laughs> that's well, our I, example of that. Yeah. Colors, colors mixed together. That's what kids, <laughs> that's what kids likes. You make a, two people, you mash them together, they become a green. I mean, that's cool. It's very cool. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, yellow. Um, yeah, look, I got to spend more time in whatever room I'm in, come up with better metaphors. But yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird to like I'm not like defending it like I feel like we've both b- because to say anything to compare it to child rearing is just so fucking loaded, you know? Yeah. It's like it, and it needs it and the problem is that that's the main point of you should be able to compare the experience of having a pet to something other than child rearing because it's like mm-hmm. yeah, but you are like it's just it is one of many caretaking experiences that like all caretaking experiences like can teach you a lot about life is yeah. i guess the simplest way to say it. And i think actually what you just reminded me of too is like the best way to take care of our pets though is actually to not treat them like they're a human or exactly a baby. exactly. And yes. that's such a big part of the learning. Of just like recognizing like, oh, spatial pressure is more important here than me just shouting at the animal. Like, you know, like that and giving them boundaries and being like, boundaries is helpful. That makes them feel safe as opposed to like, I have to cuddle them. It's so, it's honestly, uh, parents should be coming to us, I guess, for advice. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. They should be comparing child rearing to dog stuff so they can learn. Absolutely. Okay. What's your coma? Uh, a moment of transformation. Are you you've you've it sounds like you've listened to enough of the show by your initial vocalization reactions that you know what's coming and you, and you've thought a little bit about these. Well, questions. I was just the reason I made that is I was like, "Oh, we've been like kind of talking about my coma." I feel like already. That's great. That's totally yeah. okay. But so, you know, for people who are listening for the first time, yeah. I was in a coma it's just a metaphor. I, I mean, for me, it was a real thing. That was real. But and honestly, in, for me, also, it was real that right, you were in a coma. Right. Yeah. Were you in Chicago at the time or yeah. in New York? Okay. Yeah, I was in Chicago. Yeah. And they were like, Dave's dead. Did you come like, to the hospital? I didn't. And I felt Wow. Bad. Okay. I know. Over, I know. No, I've, <laughs> I felt bad about it for so long. I was like, I got to get out to the hospital to see Dave. That's and so then, funny. and <laughs> you transferred to a different hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I didn't go to that one. And then you were back. I can't remember the timeline. Yeah. It's, I mean, you basically got it. <laughs> Was in one hospital, transferred to another hospital, woke up, back, never had any problems ever again. Yeah. That's basically it. <laughs> No, I am the craziest, but yeah, so I use it on the podcast as a metaphor for a moment of transformation, which doesn't have to be grandiose can, can be very mundane. But so are we talking about when you say we're talking about your coma, we're talking about your mom's death. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, but I can. Yeah. 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 Cause it's like. I think, and of course, there's, I'm trying to like piece together what I think the like turn was, which happened piece by piece. Mm-hmm. But I think it's the, it was like the recognition uh, that I'm the only one living my life. So I have to like live it. That sounds very cliche, maybe. No. But, but I think it's tied to like the fracturing of my family. It's like, here I was, I'm a part of this four. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I get to go off and have my individual adventures, but I'm a part of this four. And when mom died, I was like, oops, uh, that's gone. It's, I'm not, we're three people now. Mm. And 
uh, I have to, I don't have my ally. I don't have my advocate in the family anymore. Um, cause there was like a pretty clear division of like, mom, mom and I were the second borns and we had a lot in common and we were like the sensitive artists. And it's like my sister and my dad, they're firstborns and they like get stuff done. And my sister's an artist too, but whatever. Sure. And, uh, so losing that bridge, that kind of connective tissue, which my mom was, mm-hmm. um, it just, I had to, I had to really be like, wait, what do I want? What do I need in not just like in this grief and in this grieving process, what do I need to take care of myself? But also like, well, what do I want moving forward? What are my relationships to be with my dad, with my sister, with my home and then my own life elsewhere? Um, so I think it was like losing that safe space and being like, I have to make my home actively in a way that I kind of didn't have to. I would say that's the change. Okay. And what has that looked like? Well, it's looked like a, a bigger investment in community, my friends. I think it's a more, more intentional engagement and support of my friends and making time for us to be together and not, I think it's also meant like I haven't been as fixated on work in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, I've recognized that like, <laughs> uh, this is going to get, see, this is going to sound like maybe it's a different transition maybe, but yeah, that like community building is like more essential. Like I bet I thought way more about how comedy, like what does comedy allow me to, do in my life and focusing on that as opposed to like, what do I want comedy to transform or whatever? Or what do I need come? What success in comedy I need? I'm trying to see comedy as like an opportunity as a process. Comedy is a process opportunity to like build my community and connection. Yeah. Less of an, less of the peak of a pyramid. Yeah. And more of a like, Oh, this is the vessel toward all sorts of different life experiences. And maybe some of those are, Oh, I get to make a TV show someday, but maybe sure. some of them are, I get to visit my friend in Mobile, Alabama without having to spend money to, yeah. you know, I get paid yeah. or something. Yeah. 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 And really like being grateful for those. I, I do think I, my, I have like kind of a gratitude practice that I come in and out of. Okay. Now of like trying to what is it is it a written thing yeah it's like written it? yeah okay. like writing a list of like the things i'm grateful for including like challenges and like being like i'm grateful that you know <laughs> uh i'm grateful for what did i write the other day it's not like i'm grateful that i am unfolding or that i don't have to be a finished product mm. like stuff like trying to like and then small to just like, I'm grateful that my dog brings me her toy when I come home. Mm-hmm. Like she's a proud, <laughs> a That's proud, great. proud dog. She's yeah. like, hey, you've been gone, but I've been working, bud. Here you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think, and I think obviously the big thing is like, my dad and I have to have a direct connection now. And mm-hmm. that has been a big change. And and it's been hard, but it's it's been better now. It's like we more I can see him for what he can offer me much more clearly than like seeing what he can't and being frustrated by that. Right. Or forcing because when you said, you know, we're now three individual people, I was just thinking about like, you know, like a four legged stool. Not mm-hmm. not becoming a three legged stool, but just becoming three of the legs that were on the four legged stool. And Man, like, that's so funny because my we ha- <laughs> we lost the th- the fourth leg of our like uh whatever foot. What would you call it? Uh, uh, ottoman? ottoman? Yeah. So it's just three. It's three legs, man, and it just seesaws. <laughs> right? Yeah. Totally. <laughs> And that's what our family was like for a couple of years there. Yeah. Yeah. And it, but it, but it sounds like by having this more direct conversation with your dad, you get to create, if you're, if you're trying to still be the four legged stool, 
you're you're forcing an expectation that's just out of touch with reality and it sounds like you now get to have the relationship with him that's actually there as opposed to what either of you would want it yeah 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 and sort of like being freed of the potential or what we think is like our best potential relationship and because it's never because the the potential anything is just never as good as actuality Mm -hmm. because it doesn't fucking exist yeah so it's all it does is torture really yeah Yeah. right i mean we both have friends and we'll always have friends who are more successful than we are in whatever we do right and so it's like you know telling yourself that you could be them or your version of them yeah is it just it, it it's it's not true and so it can't be anything but a torture device yeah yeah so how does this new relationship to your family uh-huh. and this 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 relationship to your own life yeah after your mom's death relate to your desire to do things right hmm. i think that it relates in i have to practice like uh i had to practice being kinder to myself and that it requires an acknowledgement of like limitations mm-hmm. like, and so I think that's, that's right. It's like my mom and you know, this tension is like in this business, you kind of never want to stop. You're like, it never feels like it's okay to stop. Mm-hmm. Like I, it just doesn't. You're just like, I could always do a show. I could always do a mic. I could always work on a script. There's like no time. Right. And I had to like, accept that like when I was, grieving i like couldn't and it was like okay uh and for me that's related to this like doing things perfect or doing things right uh part where it's like i don't know like practicing just being like gentler with myself mm-hmm. does this make any sense yeah it does it does <laughs> you reframe <laughs> no, 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 no. i am wondering okay so it's so-, so it sounds like it's just getting better like your your desire Mm. to do things right like you're getting better at letting go of that is that right yeah because another way it could go would be like oh now i feel like i have to optimize my friendships in the perfect Mm. way i need to Mm -hmm. make sure i beat myself up if i don't call my friends this amount of times or if it's been this amount of times since i've seen this friend or something like that yeah yeah it sounds and like that's not swing, what's happening. It could swing back that way. I mean, well, that's the truth, right? Let's hope so. But yeah. I, <laughs> uh, I have learned my lesson about not visiting friends in hospitals. Though, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, it sounds like may. I mean, maybe you got to keep that up. You know, you know, maybe you were the secret element. Like, who knows what could happen? If you I know. I go and they're like, "Well, if Lucas even thinks it's gone, all right. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, he's skeptical. He." Uh, <laughs> I think uh can you ask the question again? <laughs> yeah. It it sound well, I was I'm just you're oh, right. you're describing it, the the relationship between perfectionism and and taking some of the pressure off career as an endpoint. Yeah. But and it sounds like what you're describing is just the goal, is is the ideal of oh yeah, somehow because I've needed to I am finding ways to let go, accept some uncertainty, you know, not slam my foot on the gas the whole time. Yeah. As opposed to applying that impulse to other areas of your life. Yeah. Well, I do wonder too, if it's related to like, you know, you can't grieve right. And I like really wanted to, right? Like that was something Mm. I would have loved to have done right. Yeah. And- aced it and been like totally cool uh i did it done again top of my class but you can't and i do think reckoning with that and that it is that that is an unfolding process a continual process 
I think has helped be like, right, the whole thing's a continual process and the gift is to be in process, not to be at, like at the finish line. Thank you for listening to the show. I appreciate it. If you want an hour of extra conversation of Lucas and I just talking about comedy, about the process of putting shows together, about our approach to our careers right now, and just reconnecting, that is all on Patreon at patreon.com slash Dave Marr. Follow Lucas at all the links in the show notes. Go see his show at Littlefield in Brooklyn on the 24th of July. Go see his show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival at Just the Tonic at the Caves at 5.20 p.m. 17.20 for you Scots. And until next week, remember, you are a mist. And human beings, they do miracles.